0: Welcome, everyone. I'm Chad Grills. This is the Mission Daily, your number one source and podcast for accelerated learning. Today, we've got a fun episode. It is the 10 Elon Musk backstories that you need to know.
1: Hey, everyone. This is Stephanie Postles. I'm really excited to highlight this topic today because I am a big fan of Elon, but I think he has a lot of fun stories that a lot of people don't know, and they think they might know his whole life based on the media, but you might not.
0: Definitely. And these backstories are especially empowering because we picked them out for the simple fact that the media didn't want to cover them. They didn't want to talk about these stories. And these are exciting for a bunch of different reasons. The most important one is that they're going to provide you with a unique entry point to do cool things. And it's a, a really empowering way of looking at someone whose achievements are, I mean, they're pretty hard to like, you're not going to compare yourself to them or anything, uh, you're not going to get really inspired by them in most cases they're just going to be too daunting to even consider and these backstories are what opens the door of uh i think anyways new vistas of possibilities
1: yeah when we were uh when you were going through some of the little mini stories it definitely made it feel more relatable to him whereas you know any other story that i've heard it's kind of like okay that's cool that he's done that before but that's nothing like what i can do and it definitely made me feel more inspired like maybe i can do that because he started in a way that you know, it's pretty similar to maybe what a lot of other people have started
0: out. Definitely.
1: So let's jump into uh, yeah, some of these backstories.
0: And one thing real quick, like so Elon's story is fantastic because it's almost a cliche example. And I think after we go through this, you're going to be able to apply a new filter and the lens to the end results of really successful people or teams. And it's going to help you see achievements in a whole new light. Let's jump into them. So the first story is that Elon noticed that, like everyone else, he had a fear of poverty. That's a natural human thing. We're predispositioned to focus on scarcity, what we don't have. That's how we've stayed alive. That's how we've had enough money to survive. And one of the things that Elon did pretty early on was he taught himself when he was completely broke, he had just moved to the US from South Africa, he taught himself to live on $2 a day. So that's a pretty fast way to remove your fear of poverty. If you know how to make $2 a day, then chances are you're, if you're lucky enough to be in America or Canada, you can figure out how to uh, take care of yourself.
1: And didn't he like eat oranges every day? That was like his staple meal.
0: It was a lot of oranges and hot dogs.
1: Oh yeah. Hot dogs. That's so
0: gross. And during that time, he was going to the unemployment office to find jobs, specifically the most dangerous job that they had because he wanted to be paid the most. And this is another great story where it's like, it's so easy to think, that you know in the early morning if we're just getting some uh, some coffee or something like that and like we're going to a job that we may or may not like it's easy to you know get down on those experiences and think that this is something that's boring and pedantic and uh, great people don't go through this when in reality a lot of great people go through something that's far far worse so just imagining eating uh, oranges hot dogs day in day out and going to the unemployment office and that's a whole nother way to look at where you're at right now, where you're at right now might be way ahead of where Elon was when he was living on $2 a day.
1: Yeah, and I really like his uh, his first job when he was talking about that. Wasn't it like he had to shovel, he had to like climb into something that was like really hot. I don't know what it was. You'll probably be able to tell it better, but then had to get in there with it and then shovel it back out the hole that he climbed through.
0: That was a, yeah, pretty well said. So he had to put on a hazmat suit and go crawl inside of a wood burning boiler and then clean it out. So these are massive boilers and you have to crawl through a small tunnel and then you have to fill up that tunnel with the waste and shovel it out. So if you're in there for too long, more than 25 minutes, you die. Yes, and I thought my hostessing job don't.
1: was annoying. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and the only exit is uh, is covered up. So that's, uh, again, a great example of taking and doing the work that most people don't want to do. And I think that Elon said that within three to four days that basically everybody else who was working that job had quit. Yep. And that's what happened with every batch of people from the unemployment office. And, and he just stuck it out. Another important lesson that if you just stick things out, you'll be surprised at how many people drop out of the race, especially over, you know, a couple months, a couple years. And these are from the Elon Musk biography by Ashley Vance that we'll jump into later. But that's where a lot of these examples are from. Uh, We pulled a couple from other sources, but on to the next one.
1: So principle or number two, the story is that you want to learn how to use a first principles approach to any challenge that comes your way. So what do you mean by a first principles approach?
0: I thought about the best way to describe this because you, this is the a topic and a phrase that the media will use a lot of times to describe how Elon makes choices, but to simplify it, it's the truth. So, a first principles approach is when you acknowledge all of the appropriate variables. So the the physics variables, the business variables, what what type of climate are you in? What type of people variables are there? It's a goal of getting to objective truth. And that's something that is not easy to do. And it was a a phrase that was first popularized by Aristotle. And it was his uh, attempt at figuring out what was possible. So when Elon's talking about it, He's talking about how first principles are important because if you are really close to objective truth and then using that truth, you determine that something is possible. You can go ahead with increasing the the probability that that outcome will happen by tweaking all the different variables and components that are part of it. So that's a, uh, a really a small thing, but something that we can use as a decision-making tool, every single day. Of course, it's exhausting, but sometimes we have to, you know, mentally exert a ton of energy to make seemingly small choices. Um, but if we're making them in a very objective, facts-based sense, it's uh, a skill that's going to serve us really, really well.
1: Yeah, and I really like how you define that because I think for some reason this like term has gotten really popular lately. I've just heard it, you know, in, in the workplace or with friends that like, oh, I'm doing this based on first principles, but I don't think that they. <laughs> A lot of times I actually knew what that meant. It was just, and why did it become trendy recently? Do you know?
0: I think it's a way, it's usually a phrase that people will put before actually like a well reasoned or well thought out argument. People will just say this is like a first principles approach to try to claim the intellectual high ground because people commonly associate that word with Elon. It's just a way that you can, yeah, quickly sound smart, but.
1: Got it. All right. So let's move on to the third one. So explore taking intelligent risks.
0: Yes. So this is something that is a little bit more obvious looking at Elon. Like obviously he's taken some financial and uh, personal risks to do what he's doing, but some of the early risks that he took when he was in South Africa and getting ready to move to the United States are risks that any of us can, can do. Whether if we see somebody that, you know, we're interested in meeting and we send them a cold email and go to lunch. Which is
1: what he did, right?
0: Yeah, with a a bunch of different people. And it wasn't wasn't a well thought out strategy. There wasn't a master plan to get money. And I think so often there's a purpose behind everything we do in our modern world. It's like, okay, I have to contact this person because I want this job. I have to contact this investor because I want them to invest in in such and such. And a lot of his relationships, one of the things that people overlook is that they were all started – Without much of an agenda, there was a sincerity on his part to learn. And so he would go to lunch with a lot of these local business people, so like uh, a head of a bank and things like that, and he would pepper them with questions. And that's something that each of us can do. And there's no, you know, there's nothing more flattering for a person, uh, you a know, local manager or a uh, local business, uh, successful business person to have somebody who's sincere about wanting to learn from them. So taking risks in uh, an intelligent way And then being sincere, if you're reaching out, if you're bothering somebody um, to really value their attention, their wisdom is something that is uh, so undervalued.
1: So how do you make sure it's intelligent? Because I think a lot of times almost any risk is going to feel scary and you probably can convince yourself out of it, like taking any type of risk and think that that's the intelligent path forward. So how do you make sure it's not a dumb risk?
0: So the safest uh, way to drive to the store, arguably, is to not go at all. So the safest speed to travel at is zero. But if as you increase that speed, the uh, safety decreases. So that's really the only thing that you can bring forward. It's going to be as risky as you choose. And the more homework that you do into the examining the first principles, the different variables that make up, is it something that's actually going to hurt me? Is it going to cause a, you know, a financial catastrophe or is the downside just a month's pay. In that case, maybe it's not a financial catastrophe. Maybe it's a risk that you're perfectly yeah, willing to take if it means uh,
1: unlocking a raise
0: or mm-hmm. yeah, starting, starting a new business, something like that.
1: Got it. All right. So let's move on to the fourth one. So do things before you're ready. I think a good example of this is when you see people appearing on TV or media or the news before they're ready. I know you've showed me a lot of interviews, whether it's like Jeff Bezos or the really funny one with Elon Musk showing off his car. And they probably look back on that right now and they're like, oh, my gosh, I should not have gotten on TV. But it's a really good thing they did.
0: Definitely. And that's Elon's first interview on CNN is a great example because he's in his early 20s. He's going bald. His uh, teeth, obviously, he hasn't had had the money yet to get them fixed. And He's on CNN very clearly because, you know, maybe a journalist was doing a segment, but there's a pretty high likelihood that he just picked up the phone, called them and said, hey, I'm I happen to be getting this uh, McLaren, this one million dollar McLaren delivered. Would you like to cover it in, you know, as part of a Silicon Valley type story and that type of willingness to promote yourself, even when you don't have everything lined up and when you don't feel perfect about how outward appearances may look. I think is really, really important, and it's something that we can each do that today. No, it's not about same, you know shameless self promotion or anything. But if there is something you're doing that's great, if you're helping people get in front of the camera, yeah, I think get most out there. people
1: who should be getting in front of the camera don't. Like a lot of times, you yes. might see people online, <laughs> and you're like. Okay, dude, or girl, you actually should not be, you know, putting yourself on camera as much as you do. You're way too into yourself. Whereas a lot of times I meet people and I'm like, you need to get the word out there. You need to like start a podcast or write a book or do something because you have it's really all, good stuff to say.
0: That's so true, and it's so often the people who are a bit more shy or a bit more reticent to put themselves out there in public who are perfectly suited to hold that uh, power, the spotlight, whatever the case is. Yeah. Um, so number five. This is a, a really important thing because we get pummeled all day long with this message that business is about competition. And in school, we learn to be competitive over things that like grades where, you know, there's uh, as many A's as well, not if you're on a curve, but you get the idea. Uh, mm-hmm. Grades, not something that's really worth, you know, competing heavily against your peers for. And Elon's story, the backstory is really interesting because not many people know that he has worked with some of the same people, whether it's investors, colleagues, co-founders, uh, executives of these companies, for I want to say like 20, 25 years. Mm-hmm, and 10. this is a, a commonality amongst all of the best VCs and investors and CEOs in Silicon Valley here. And this is something I'm always blown away about, is that Generally, people don't know that these people have known, known each other for 20, 25 years and they have a successful work history that wasn't all sunshine and rainbows. It, there are a lot of like very challenging things. So Elon personally has been you know thrown out and ousted of the CEO position that he held at PayPal for a while.
1: Wasn't it when he was on vacation too? When he, he was on vacation, yeah.
0: when he's like suffering with malaria and he came back and his uh, friends, his, his colleagues, his co-founders said, okay, you're out. We determined with the board. And what he did after that is a testament to if you believe in something and if you trust the people you're working with, uh, it's okay to trust their judgment. What he did was actually double down and then reinvested in the next funding round of PayPal and became their largest investor.
1: After he just got ousted. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And that's that type of uh, humility. And I guess the best way to describe it is just being aware, Mm -hmm. very aware of what the team is going to be able like is the team around you going to be able to get the ball like to the end zone or are you going to be able to and in this case he realized that other people were the better yeah better ones to do it
1: so you should basically know when to concede when to form alliances and then when to let things go
0: definitely and the story and the book we're talking about is elon musk tesla spacex and the quest for a fantastic future it's written by ashley vance Who's a former, I think, Bloomberg technology reporter? Mm-hmm. He did an excellent job. He had some unprecedented access to Elon. And that's where a lot of these stories come from. And this episode is brought to you by Audible. Audible.com slash the mission or text the mission to five zero zero five zero zero. When you do, you can get a free copy of Elon Musk or any of uh, the other thousands of books, So I guess. many good books. 10,000s. And Audible is fantastic. They're sponsoring the Mission Daily. They're making all of this possible so we can bring you daily deep dives into topics that matter. So
1: go grab that Elon Musk book because it's really good. Definitely. I was about to say Elon Musk.
0: Uh, yeah, I, no, I was, was going to do the same thing.
1: <laughs> all right, so let's go on to the uh, sixth lesson from the book.
0: Yeah, this lesson, again, is something that uh, is, it's kind of like a popular piece of wisdom that I don't know is actually wisdom. It's been certainly true for some people. But I think the only way you can know if this is true is by testing it yourself. And that piece of uh, wisdom is, you know, Either you should work with your friends and family in business, or you should never work with them. That's the more you know popular one.
1: Yeah, there's but, no one size fits all because I think it depends who your friends and family are.
0: Yeah, and Elon's story is all about collaborating with friends and family, investing in your cousin's company, starting a company with your brother, uh, bringing over your friends and family, and doing little entrepreneurial you know pursuits with them as you go. Um, and that's really exciting because if you're not building something with your friends with your family. It's going to be hard to look back and you can definitely, you know, go on vacations and it's not saying that, you know, there's one right approach to this, but it's just one of the the pros of building something together with people you love and you care about is you get to look back and you have a really, really fun, dynamic story that was challenging.
1: Yeah, and it's fun having people to talk to about the stuff that you're doing. Like a lot of times if you're, you know, building something in a bubble, it'll be really hard to talk to your friends and family about it because they don't know what's going on really and they don't know the questions to ask or like how to engage you on that topic. And I think um, I like seeing like how supportive he was of his family, like when they were building things too. I forget what interview I was listening to, but he was basically saying he was offered the co-founder spot on one of the companies of one of his family or friends. I forget which company, I don't want to say. And he turned it down. He was like, "I didn't feel like I did enough work. Like I was very supportive and helped, but I didn't start early enough and didn't help them enough to be called a co-founder." And actually turned that down for that company. Do you know which one it was?
0: That's very cool. I'm, I want to say Solar City. I was thinking but of Solar he, he was City. Was chairman but for? I don't yeah, know. I wasn't
1: sure. But yeah, yeah, I just thought that was really cool seeing like, you know, how he's ready to like put his own time and effort in, but then not need the credit and just be like, good job, guys. Keep, you know, keep and building and I'll keep supporting.
0: And there's the push to be really objective again and figure out are the, you know, what are the first principles of that? Are did the other co-founders spend six months and you know 80% of their savings to get here? Or what did they, they put in specifically? Uh, that's yeah, just one example. So the next one is not many people know, but SpaceX got started when Elon became interested in sending a package of uh, green vegetables, plants essentially to Mars <laughs> with rehydrating gel that would deploy upon landing or impact. And then the goal was to get this beautiful shot of green plants on a red Martian background to get people excited about space again. And that was how all of SpaceX got started with by a very simple uh, project essentially. And it's really, really easy to think, okay, I need to start a business. I need to start something that makes money. Just pursue what you're interested in. And that's, uh, it took him down. You know, he met all the people at the Mars Society. He met James Cameron who tried to get him to invest in his movies and the like help link him into Hollywood. And that small step, it, you know, took him to Russia. It took him back from Russia and realizing that he could actually build all the components of the rocket for an affordable price. Yeah. Actually 60 times cheaper that than what the was government was That story was my favorite,
1: was doing. I think, of the book when, uh, I think he wanted to meet with someone about like the rockets or something they was building and the person made him meet in an airport behind security because they thought he was like going to try to oh, yeah, kill him or something. a former U.S.
0: Uh, yeah, <laughs> diplomat that ended up like advising and helping him get a uh, SpaceX launch. So funny. So, yeah, it is really funny. Uh, Which is a good reminder. Like, you know, you might come across as being really sketchy if if you're eclectic and you follow your interests and your heart and your passions. There are going to be people who don't want to meet you unless it's behind security. No big deal. (laughs) Just MBD. That's what security is (laughs) for. And number eight. So we talked uh, a lot about you know building relationships, not being afraid to work with your friends and family. But I think taking that one step further is is really interesting. So, it's easy for us to base our friendships around shared values or philosophies or just talk. But Elon's story is, you know, example after example of him aligning himself with other people who took tons and tons of action. So everybody that he surrounded himself with was a doer. They were executing on things. They, were, they had done a bunch of different companies. They were interested in doing different side projects. Uh, they thought electrical vehicles were cool. And so not only was he surrounding himself with people who had similar philosophies, but they also had a similar amount of skin in the game. So they were doing the same type of things day in and day out and who are around is so important. I think it's just, it's always important to yeah, bring it up and remember that.
1: Yep, you are who you hang out with. So and he definitely hung out with some good people that, you know, everyone got to rise all together and invest in each other's companies and just support each other on the way up and the way down and then the way back up. So it was really very inspiring seeing that.
0: All right, so the next one is a psychological phrase that you won't hear a lot. And if you try to look up the definition, a lot of them vary, but the phrase is, Uh, A narcissistic wound. So, when psychologists are examining successful entrepreneurs, they find this trait or this uh, occurrence that they're not quite sure how to classify. And a lot of psychologists speak about it in terms of did the person receive a narcissistic wound? So, did something early on in a person's life affect them or Maybe it was a person that said they were stupid over and over and over again, or somebody that said, you're not good enough. This is never going to be good enough again and again. And what a lot of entrepreneurial or business psychologists have determined is that people who suffer narcissistic wounds more frequently or earlier on in life are typically the ones who become successful entrepreneurs. And they're trying to, in one sense, compensate for from something. They're in another sense, trying to prove people wrong. And in some cases, it's basically just all of those things. They can't stand the bullies, the people who singled them out and, and picked on them for years. And in a sense, their massive life and business success is to compensate for that. And I wouldn't say compensate. Uh, I would suggest that it's actually a form of redemption. Yep. So we've all gone through situations in life where we've been wounded. We've had people that we love say, I, you know, I don't think that's a good idea. And it's hurt. And it's really important for, all, for each of us to examine those instances, those occurrences, and then use those as fuel for the next adventure, next endeavor.
1: Yeah, I think you definitely can see the difference in people who use what they heard when they were, you know, in their younger days or in school or something and really just like let their whole life turn into that and believe that that's the truth and never question it. And then the people who just completely um, show everyone that how wrong they are and show everyone how, you know, how opposite basically everything they ever said was. And it's good to do the latter.
0: Frank Sinatra, the best revenge is massive success. Perfect. Which brings us to the final uh, point and backstory here. So Elon Musk is obviously famous for saying that once you establish that something is possible, then probability can occur. And the one commonality amongst all of Elon's stories and earlier pursuits is radical personal agency. So he wasn't just accepting uh, blame for some things. He was accepting agency over Everything that happened, and even some of the things that he doesn't really talk about much, other than just alluding to the fact that he had a horrible childhood. And when people have pressed him on it, he doesn't doesn't really dive in or you know go too deeply into that. Uh, the fact that he got beat up at school and got bullied like very very aggressively. He doesn't ever. I, I don't think I've ever heard him blame anyone, mm-hmm. even some of the investors and different types of folks who. may or may not have tried to screw him over or, you know, get the upper hand on him just again and again when he was in a tight financial situation or something like that. So the challenge for each of us is like, can we go without complaining? Can we take such agency over our lives that we accept everything that happens to us? And I think that once we do that, or even just begin investigating that, that idea and that concept I think wonderful things are just bound to start happening the more responsibility we take um, because it just changes our entire paradigm of who we are what we're doing and why we're doing it
1: yeah i think taking agency definitely empowers you to either change what's happening even if you kind of feel like it's out of your, your control you figure out how to get it in your control and make sure that you're in charge anytime in the future that might ever happen again or to steer clear of it so i think it's a really good um point to make sure you take
0: agency I love it. So those were the 10 Elon Musk backstories that you need to know. Hope they were helpful. If they were helpful, subscribe, leave a review, let us know, hit us up on the Twitter, and we will see you next time.
1: Yeah, thanks for joining. See you guys. Later.